welcome to Unsolicited, the podcast that gives fictional characters advice they did not ask for. My name is Emily Blake. And my name is Owen Evans. Today we're discussing Albus Percival Wolfric Brian Dumbledore, Order of Merlin First Class, Headmaster of Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, Supreme Mugwump of the International Confederation of Wizards, Chief Warlock of the Wizen Gamut, and truly terrible Headmaster. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about Dumbledore, Owen. So Dumbledore is a character from the uh, the book series Harry Potter um, by uh, J.K. Rowling. Um, he is the headmaster, um, the 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 ruler of of all things Hogwarts, um, and uh, one of one of Harry Potter's main uh, influences and uh, mentors throughout the book series. Um, and in addition to that, he uh, he runs all things uh, uh, you know for the students. Um, and for the, the faculty and staff at uh, the Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and, and Wizardry. Outside of his role in the school, Dumbledore is also an extremely powerful wizard. So while he plays the role of headmaster in the fictional school of Hogwarts, um, he also is a frequent consultant of the government. He has an almost cultish following in the wizarding world, and he's considered one of the most powerful wizards ever to live. He's defeated dark wizards in the past. He is a mortal enemy of Voldemort, our um, main antagonist throughout the series. And ultimately, is, is just an extremely, extremely powerful figure. So, Owen, oh, we both have some experience working in schools. Uh, what are administrator roles? Like, who who is an administrator in a school? What's the corollary to, like, American schools? Yeah, so so typically most schools will have a principal um, and an assistant principal, sometimes two or, or three or however many. Um, and those people are in charge of the operations of the school building, um, they run teacher uh, evaluations and, and all sorts of things like that, sports um, uh, clubs, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think the qualities that make a good administrator include? Like, what what have your best administrators been like? Well, yeah, that's an interesting question for me because I've had one administrator. I've worked at one school. Oh, really? Okay. And... Uh, and I, I, I really enjoyed my principal um, and my, my evaluator, my assistant principal. Um, I thought they uh, did a great job being, you know, supportive and um, uh, working together to, to support uh, the, the band program at my school. Um, and uh, I think most importantly, they were uh, able to be flexible and understanding you know, of, of challenges that teachers face every day and, and things like that. So um, I, th I think that's something that I really look for in a good administrator. Yeah, I think administrators really toe the line between their work in the community, their work with students, and their work with staff. So at the surface mm -hmm. level, they ultimately are a boss, and a lot of their, their job is about having those management skills and being a good boss. Um, mm -hmm. But if you're a parent or a student in school, your top priorities are probably things like student safety. Um, and then there, there are some, some skills that really thread between those roles. Uh, transparency is a huge one. A lot of administrators in our communities right now are under fire for kind of playing things close to the chest. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Consistency is a big one, right? Like if you're treating different students differently, that's, that's going to 
Ab- gain you a lot of criticism. Absolutely. Um, and their yeah. ability to communicate effectively and again consistently. Um, communication kind of is that piece that threads between transparency and consistency, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that is so important. Um, and stuff just doesn't happen when the communication's not there. And that, you know, yeah. the, it affects the kids. Like, that's that's how that works. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, and I think it it's really hard to work for someone who is not an effective communicator also. Mm-hmm. I've had a few more administrators than, than you have. You've been really fortunate to be in one spot and have consistency. Um, man, I've had, shoot, probably nine or ten administrators in my career so far. Oh, wow. Um, and they really ran the gamut from, I will tell you absolutely everything you need to know and you're going to be getting constant communication from me, to wow, mm-hmm. this guy won't answer an email and I have to go find him if I want an answer to the questions yeah. that, I, that I'm trying to ask. Yeah, um, that's rough. And boy, that makes a huge difference. Uh, so we've created kind of a little checklist here. How's Dumbledore doing on it? <laughs> Dumbledore, uh, you know, he's he's great in a lot of ways. Um and, but it's just from the from the perspective of of you know like you said him as as a boss uh he certainly leaves a lot to be desired so things on our on our checklist here um we we talked about right effective management skills um keeping safety a priority um uh, transparency with with staff and students consistency communication all those things um you know one area where where Dumbledore really could use some improvement is that area of student safety. Um, I, I know we've we've talked about you know Harry Potter is both very dear to us and and uh, our our childhoods. Um, and it was really fun to to you know read about these students going on these cool ad- or ad- adventures. Um, but you know, and when you look at it, just places they really should not be. <laughs> right like <laughs> uh the the third floor corridor the uh the the forbidden forest all these all these places you really just shouldn't take a 12 year old and they know? somehow end up there over and over and over right like there is <laughs> there is no progression or improvement yeah in in managing these spaces <laughs> absolutely not yeah um you know, my my brother and I really grew up with the Harry Potter books. The first one came out when we when I was in kindergarten, and the last one came out when I was in high school. Um, so really aged mm-hmm. nicely along with that series. And one of the conversations that we've had recently in adulthood is that as kids, we found the Harry Potter series really calming. It was familiar. It was interesting enough to disengage us from whatever other worries we might be thinking about. Um, but as adults, mm-hmm. now listening to stories about these these kids getting into these kinds of trouble, um, it puts me a lot more on edge. And man, I'm I am concerned for Harry and Co. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, one thing it's it's you know crazy. Like I, I'm sure you've experienced this at, at your school when when safety is is compromised and maybe you know something happens and a student gets harmed. Like you would you would hear from a parent or from the community in a really hard and fast way, but that never really seems to happen at Hogwarts. Yeah. You know, you're not really getting angry letters from Mrs. Weasley. Well, too and often. I have questions about the communication 
process throughout the school. Um, in our schools, we use email or, you know, phone calls or, or whatever to send out mass messages, texts sometimes even. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you do in a school that doesn't have electronic communication? Is the school just housing thousands of owls in the event of emergency? <laughs> and how does that work for students who have divided families and maybe info has to go to two different households? And, you know, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I have a lot of questions about that about that piece of it. Um, but let's mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit more about some specific examples of student safety. So one of the spaces that you brought up was the third floor corridor. So in the first yes. book, Dumbledore Near the Beginning says, hey, uh, welcome to the school. By the way, don't go to the third floor corridor unless you want to die. And then just cruises <laughs> on with his introductory speech. I must tell you that this year, the third floor corridor on the right-hand side is out of bounds to everyone who does not wish to die a very painful death. Harry laughed, but he was one of the few who did. (laughs) If I were a student... What a welcome parade, huh? No kidding. If I were a student, I think I would have a really hard time knowing whether he was serious or not. Um, how fortunate that they seem to take him at his word and like avoid this (laughs) space. But then within the third floor corridor, and if anyone is interested in the Harry Potter books but hasn't read them, uh, we're definitely going to throw some spoilers at you this episode, so maybe skip it. But yes, uh, the third floor corridor is set up to protect the Sorcerer's Stone, which is this incredibly dangerous artifact that gives (laughs) essentially endless life to whoever possesses it. Um, But Mm -hmm. the setup is... It's essentially an obstacle course, and it's an obstacle course that is difficult enough to take a while to get through, but easy enough that 11-year-olds can do it. And if you're going to have an incredibly dangerous (laughs) artifact housed in a school, which I have have questions about that anyway, but assuming that you're going to make that decision, it seems like it would be smart to make impenetrable obstacles, or at least child-proof ones. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Dumbledore could really take a lesson from, uh, oh, what's that company that makes all those, like, you know, uh, b- baby proofing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and ultimately, that's just silly. Like in education, we talk about the zone of proximal development, which is this the area where things are hard enough to be challenging, but not so difficult that they're impossible or that it deters kids from trying. And really, this entire protection system is set up firmly within the zone (laughs) of proximal development for the students. Not only that, it's fun. They get to ride on brooms. They get to play chess with giant statues. I mean, what kid wouldn't want to do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, how funny. There, there's an adorable dog. I mean, come on. Right. That goes to sleep <laughs> if you play it music. And what kid doesn't want to be making music voluntarily in their school? Like, this school doesn't have any music classes. That seems like it would be a big draw, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um. Yeah. And. I mean, there are a number of other times when students are repeatedly thrown into highly dangerous situations at the behest of the school. So also (laughs) in the first book, there's an incident where the students go with Hagrid into the Forbidden Forest for detention 
like in the middle of the night. It's into the forest you're going, and I'm much mistaken if you'll all come out in one piece. At this, Neville let out a little moan, and Malfoy stopped dead in his tracks. The forest, he repeated, and he didn't sound quite as cool as usual. We can't go in there at night. There's all sorts of things in there. Werewolves, I heard. Neville clutched the sleeve of Harry's robe and made a choking noise. That's your problem, isn't it? said Filch, his voice cracking with glee. Should have thought of them werewolves before you got in trouble, shouldn't you? Yeah. So even just <laughs> reeling that back a step, setting detention in the middle of the night is already disrupting students' sleep patterns, which feels minor if it's a one-time thing. Okay, whatever. But that this mm-hmm. apparently is just how things are done at Hogwarts is concerning. Um yeah. And half of the group isn't even with adult supervision. They split into these smaller groups. <laughs> yeah, they groups split up, yeah. In the middle of the night, <laughs> in a forest so dangerous, it is named the Forbidden Forest, and students are expressly prohibited from going there, except <laughs> for detention. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you just, you, you gotta, you gotta hand it to J.K. Rowling. It's... It's uh, it's impressive the the kind of the kind of traumas she put these kids through. It really is. Um, um and <laughs> Dumbledore every single year in every book there's a major injury or in most cases death in the school. Yeah. Can you? Yeah, ex- exactly. In in the second book, kids getting paralyzed. <laughs> yeah, and possessed. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. In the third, the third book is probably the least aggressive in that way. Like, Ron breaks his leg, but there aren't a whole bunch of. I guess Harry falls off his broom, and yeah, that's a bad one. Yeah. Oh a lot yeah, of that's get right. Get hurt yeah. in the fourth book. Like, yeah. The Triwizard Tournament. I have a lot of questions about, and that wasn't just Dumbledore's decision. That had approval from the Ministry of Magic. It had approval from the administrators at the other competing schools. Um, mm. Like, how did how did no responsible adult go? I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't be putting literal children through death defying yeah. stunts without parent approval. Yeah, and in front of a crowd. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's live stream it. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, and the that the ministry, you know, was all in on this and. Um, it, it's you know it's like it's it's just it's silly it's ridiculous. Yeah, in um, the fifth book, uh, with ministry approval, we see uh, Dolores Umbridge come into the school, and for her detentions, she has children writing in their own blood. Harry raised the sharp black quill and then realized what was missing. You haven't given me any ink, he said. Oh, you won't need ink said Professor Umbridge with the merest suggestion of a laugh in her voice. Harry placed the point of the quill on the paper and wrote, I must not tell lies. He let out a gasp of pain. The words had appeared on the parchment in what appeared to be shining red ink. At the same time, the words had appeared on the back of Harry's right hand, cut into his skin as though traced there by a scalpel. Yet, even as he stared at the shining cut, the skin healed over again leaving the place where it had been slightly redder than before, but quite smooth. Harming themselves 
And not letting them stop. Yeah, for hours. Oh, in the most brutal repeatedly. way. Yeah. Um, so Dumbledore seems like he has kind of a cult following in, in the wizard community. And I have a lot of questions because I feel like if administrators in my life were making decisions like those, they would not be popular with parents. Okay, well, let's, let's talk for a minute. Uh, speaking of his cult following... Dumbledore commands really high loyalty from his staff as well. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So a a big piece of an administrator's role is to hire and then support staff. And I have some questions about the hiring process at at Hogwarts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. For one thing, until the ministry intervenes, there is no evaluation process. And as Mm -hmm. nice as that sounds as a teacher... Uh, Mm -hmm. It also seems like it probably is letting a lot of teachers who need support in the early years of their career fall through the gaps in the system, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Plus, you you learn a lot from that process. You know, you you learn a lot about, you know, collecting uh, data on on student growth and and things like that and and planning units and... um, yeah, and getting that feedback from the administrator, even though you know a lot of times they're 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 not musically inclined. At least mine mine wasn't really, um, but As they they still provide a lot of good feedback about you know just your your pacing of a class and yeah and because what what the kids need never, ne- that never changes you know from subject to subject. So, well, um, and for context, um, both of our experience in education is as music educators. So we have taught band and and choir, and you've done some elementary music and. Um, that is sort of the realm that we've taught in. Tell me a little bit about what that evaluation process has looked like for you. Like, for folks who aren't in the education system, how are teachers evaluated? Yeah, sure. So in in my district, um, we used a, uh, a rubric called the Danielson rubric. Um, and it essentially gave you just a whole bunch of criteria um, on, you know, what makes a good educator. You know, how good are you at assessment? How good are you at classroom management, creating a, a good and a positive learning environment and community and all this kind of stuff. And so you you make a plan at the beginning of the year of, of how you're going to demonstrate all these things. Um, and, you know, you, you, you work to do that and, and uh, meet those goals throughout the year. And then you you report you report back at the at the end of the year and um, kind of reflect on. On, on the progress that that you made and, and, and what your students were able to achieve and so and then of course you get you receive your rating you know you're a proficient teacher you, you can you can keep on going and, and things like that mm-hmm. and usually there are several steps through that process you need to show your administrator your lesson plans and what you're expecting students to get out of the lesson and how you plan to get them there you need to collect some data and and show okay my students have grown in this way and here's the evidence of that and then typically an administrator comes into your classroom several times throughout that process also and just watches you teach and takes notes on anything that they're observing whether it's things your students are doing or things that you're doing um, and meets with you several times to go over the the observations and and talk about those goals and and whether or not you're moving in the right direction yeah yeah and you know it's it's good for students you know that's that's the benefit to it and so it's 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 interesting that that hogwarts never engaged in any kind of practice like that for you know most of most of its time as a school or Um, at least not that we're aware of right it's possible that they did but the evidence doesn't seem like it supports it 
So if we look at some of the folks who got interviews at Hogwarts, <laughs> um, top of my list of people that we should not even have met with is Tom Riddle, who of course <laughs> yeah. went on to become Lord Voldemort, uh, was granted an interview for the Defense Against the Dark Arts position. And essentially mm -hmm. in that interview, Dumbledore took Tom Riddle aside and he was like, dude, why are you doing this? And he said, well, Hogwarts is a really special place to me. And I would really like to give back. And Dumbledore said, actually, I think you're going to groom students to become Death Eaters and be a, a part of your little cult. Um, yeah. And I sort of wish that that Tom Riddle had shot back and said, isn't that kind of what you're doing? <laughs> because it really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, it's just one group fighting another. So thankfully, Voldemort was not granted a teaching position at Hogwarts. Um, but there are several instances where Dumbledore gives people teaching jobs essentially to protect them. So among these, Professor Trelawney, who teaches divination, is given a job as soon as he discovers that she can predict the future, even though she has no idea how to teach it or and is <laughs> unaware that she can predict the future. Like, yeah. she is actively <laughs> spinning lies to her students, and Dumbledore's yeah. like, whatever, you're going to be safe at the school, <laughs> take a teaching job. Yeah. You know, I always thought it'd be fun to be in Professor Trelawney's class. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. It would. But I don't know that it would be useful or that it's good education. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, pedagogically, there's a few problems there for sure. Right. The same thing essentially happens with Ferenzi, who is a centaur who lives in the Forbidden Forest. And he agrees to take a job at Hogwarts teaching divination when Trelawney is kicked out um, with n no qualifications. And they just set up his classroom and let him go. Get to it, Ferenzi. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine that happening today? I mean, there's oh. so much, just so much we have to deal with to, to become a teacher in the first place. And, um, and you know, just all, all, the, all the things that go into uh, becoming an educator. Well, and, and so you're uh, right. Yeah. But due to teaching shortages right now, a lot of districts across our country are trying to fill vacancies in kind of similar ways. They're essentially saying, if yeah. you've worked in any kind of public service, apply and we'll give you an emergency certification and we'll just start you going. Um, yeah. And I know that there is an adage that says those who can't do teach, um, which is troubling in its own right. But even even more importantly, teaching in and of itself is a skill. It's very different. You know, we teach music. Teaching yeah. music is very different from performing music. There are Absolutely. lots of people in the world who are great performers, outstanding musicians, but don't know how to convey that that knowledge and mm -hmm. make it something that, that students are going to get something out of. And I think that's a lot of what we see with Trelawney and Frenzy. Both are actually great at divination, but oh my mm -hmm. gosh, they should not be teaching. The same thing yeah. kind of happens with Hagrid, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't. He, yeah, he's 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 not. He's not. Uh, uh, he doesn't really have. Well, what am I trying to say here? Um, he obviously cares for the students quite a lot, so he's got yes. that going for him. Um, but but yeah, he's he's it's, and it goes back to what we were saying earlier about being a good uh, communicator. You know, it's it's all about getting your the ideas in your head 
into your student's head uh, in the clearest way possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the skill, yeah, that just it takes a lot of time and a lot of experience and practice to figure that out. Well, and it's pretty heartbreaking that in Hagrid's first several years of teaching, we watch him really struggle and yeah. receive no support. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So yeah. Hagrid wants to be a good teacher. He cares a lot about the job. His attitude is great. But the only people really giving him feedback that we can see are Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Yeah. <laughs> and... uh uh, well, I guess uh, Lucius Malfoy a little bit, too. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, <laughs> we do see Dumbledore come down to Hagrid's hut once and have a drink with him. Um, but he seems to be saying, yeah, Hagrid, it's okay that you're getting hate mail. I get hate mail, too. And, <laughs> man, that's not the kind of support that he needs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So that's... I would love to see Dumbledore implement... A hiring system that chooses educators who have a pedagogical background and then provides some mentorship and support for those educators as they get started in their career. I don't know if the wizarding world is set up to have any kind of normal school or a school that teaches teachers to become teachers. Um, It seems like a very small percentage of the population becomes teachers, so it sort of makes sense that it might not. But, boy, that's all the more reason to create some kind of system <laughs> that's, yeah. that's supporting Yeah, it. Yeah, and, you know, it should be headed up uh, from the, the, the ministry. Um, and, yeah. And, uh, you know, on that, on that higher level. Yeah, definitely. Or at least receive some kind of oversight. So, yeah, so uh, continuing our conversation about, you know, the, the hiring processes um, at Hogwarts and, and what, are, what, are, what are some things um, that, that you look for in a, a, a teaching candidate, you know, someone that's, that's uh, the administration is, is interviewing? Well, I think a lot of what you're looking for in a teacher is what you're looking for in any employee. Like you probably want someone who has a growth mindset and who wants to continue improving their skills, but you also want someone who has some experience in what they're doing. Um, if the person is new to teaching, that might mean that they have experience in the field in which they're teaching. We see that in, in Forenzi and in Trelawney. Um, but if you choose a candidate like that, you know that you're going to have to offer them some extra support to make them great teachers instead of just great at whatever they've been doing in life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you also look for someone who is really willing to take feedback because if you're working in a school, you're going to get a lot of it, not just from your administrators, hopefully, but also from your students and definitely from parents and from the community. You're yeah. going to hear a lot mm-hmm. from a lot of people and for a lot of beginning educators, that's really overwhelming. Yeah. Um, and then you're also looking, ideally, for someone who's going to be there for, for a little while, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, someone that can get invested in the, in the community and in the students, for sure. Yeah. We, we do see one position at Hogwarts that's really a revolving door, and that's the Defense Against the Dark Arts position. Supposedly, it's been cursed by Voldemort when he was denied that position, 
mm-hmm. because no one stayed longer than a year after that. And it's possible that he did curse it, mm-hmm. but it sounds like that's essentially a rumor in the way that they address it. Um, and there's a part of me that that knows if a position becomes a revolving door, it's really hard to stop it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, even things like just exit surveys for those staff as they're leaving would be great. Um, learning a little bit more about why it w- they weren't able to stay and, and what kept that from being a, a continuing fit for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Yeah, we don't really see any retention efforts. It it sounds like Dumbledore essentially goes, yeah, well, you know, I noticed that ever since I turned down that one guy, <laughs> no one really wants to stick around. He must yeah. have cursed it. I know. And you know, I'd like to take a look at their collective bargaining agreement. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. So teaching in the muggle world is a union-based job which means you don't really you don't get to negotiate your salary or your benefits or anything like that the union does that for you and in some ways that's awesome because it means that everyone is being treated pretty fairly and you're Mm -hmm. guaranteed a certain amount of continued growth in your salary and that kind of stuff it also really protects your working conditions and and make sure that you won't be abused in your role to the best of the union's abilities yeah um but the flip side is you don't have the ability to negotiate you can't say well i'm really good at what i'm doing and by the way my job is harder than this person next door for these reasons and i'd like to be compensated for the extra time and effort that i'm putting in Mm -hmm. um and that's not really an opportunity that teachers have Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i and you know i in my time as a teacher i was thankful for that because i've i've always not been and you know this about me that i've not been great at advocating for myself and and it's that would be a really hard thing for me to have to do to to say i you know i'm i'm really worth this much and and i i think you should give it to me so i'm 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 for one am thankful that you know the union um provides that for us but that's just I my take most of the time i am also um I think there's a lot of rhetoric around the idea that teachers are underpaid. Uh, and if you look just at salaries and the number of hours in the school day, it doesn't really look like we are in Washington, at least, very much. Um, yeah. But then when you add in all of the extra time and the expectations of of model citizenship outside of work yeah. and uh-huh. you know all of that kind of stuff, um, teachers really never get to to relax all the way. My parents were both teachers also, and my mom taught in the town we lived in, but my dad taught about an hour away um, and commuted every day. Yeah. My mom, because she was teaching third grade, felt like she she couldn't do things even like buy a beer in the town that we lived in because she was worried that one of her third graders would run into her at the grocery store while she was carrying beer. Um, Uh and get mixed messages, you know, and, and I think a lot of the community doesn't really think about those additional pressures. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And and you know, when, um, my, my partner and I went at the beginning of our relationship, that was something I kind of had to explain to her that, you know, like, like, yeah, you know, it's, we can't really just post that picture on Instagram or, or, you know, things like that. And, and she, you know, she, she had to kind of like, uh, take, take a little bit of time to understand that. I think it's just, you know something that a lot of people don't think about. 
Well, and that's something I wonder about for the staff at at Hogwarts also. It seems like work-life balance is hard for everyone. Mm -hmm. It's especially hard for teachers. But for teachers at a boarding school who also live on campus and then are given additional supervisory duties any time that something goes wrong at the school. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I first off, I want to know more about the substitute network that exists at Hogwarts. Yeah. Yeah, you don't really you don't really hear a lot about that in in the books. Yeah, we really only see one one sub the entire time and it's a sub for Hagrid um who That's right, yeah. shows up several times, right? Mm-hmm. And other mm-hmm. than that, what happens if a teacher gets sick? Um what happens if they need to address something in their personal life or like they have a death in the family or Yeah. Man, it would be tough. Um And honestly, I would really like to see Hogwarts even just hire some additional supervisory staff. It is wild that the teachers are expected to teach all grade levels in their subject area and run their houses. Like Mm -hmm. we have four, four of the teachers are also heads of house. So they're responsible for all discipline for things that happen outside of the school day. Yeah. And then, you know, when... Serious black breaks into the school those teachers suddenly are also doing night patrols and walking the hallways all night yeah and that happens when the chamber of secrets opens as well and god it, it just seems like you would burn out so quickly if all of that was your job and i hope their paychecks are enormous because if you didn't get to go home at the end of the day, that'd be brutal. <laughs> I can't even imagine. And can you? I mean, uh, I'm thinking of Argus Filch. You know that school has one person on the custodial staff. I mean, have you ever For an entire at, castle at a castle? My my tiny little school had three, and our building was probably about the size of the Great Hall. So, I mean, Argus Filch is he. He is an outstanding man for handling it, all that pressure as well as he does. Yeah. Underrated character. Absolutely. We, I think as readers, it's so easy to dismiss Filch. He's such a jerk. He's (laughs) so bitter. He's so grumpy anytime something goes wrong. But, whoa. I can't imagine his to-do list. He must (laughs) never get especially because he doesn't get to use magic why is one of the only people who can't access magic the person responsible for cleaning up oh, all good of the messes i mean if if uh oh mrs weasley what's her name what's her first name molly if molly, molly. weasley was was on the custodial staff i mean she there, there's that scene in the movie and, and in the scene in the books and she's like just cleaning everything all at once it's genius Right, which is how she's able to manage seven children. Yeah. Right? Um, (laughs) Well, and that everyone else even just has access to the spell Scourgeify, which is just a cleaning spell. Yeah. Um, Mm. But Filch is there, like, lugging around a mop, putting in physical labor. It's really nice that a squib has been granted access to this magical institution that he seems to want to be part of mm-hmm. but can we give him a role that he's better suited for yeah maybe he's the one helping to manage the communication with the enormous 
flock of owls. Right. right yeah. <laughs> like, that seems yeah, like absolutely. in and of itself, it would be a full time job. Yeah. Yeah, I I have a lot of questions. Also, how is how is Madame Pomfrey the only nurse? Oh, as at that school especially, I mean, come on. There's no way. I mean, kids are getting into all kinds of shenanigans. They're they're getting hurt in like just really terrible ways all the time. And at the very least, you got to have a day shift and a night shift. I don't think Dumbledore expects any member of his staff to sleep ever. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, Mrs. Pomfrey, she never gets a moment to herself. Not at all. Yeah, that is really, that is really sad to think about. I had never thought about that before. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm learning a lot through this conversation. <laughs> um, I do want to say, I, I think we have a lot of evidence in the, in the books and in the movies that Dumbledore is not a terrible educator necessarily. I was I was just about to to suggest yeah I mean we've said a lot of critical things about Dumbledore so far we haven't really you know hit that other side of the scale so let's yeah let's uh, uh continue with with what you're saying yeah I mean he is pretty charming he relates to students really well I think one of the most endearing snippets of the of the series is the very first speech we hear from him all of yeah. the students have just arrived at Hogwarts. Harry is really nervous as a first year. He doesn't really know what's going on. Uh, they haven't had a chance to eat since they were on the train, and kids who didn't have money on the train may not have had a chance to eat. We don't know. But Dumbledore is stands up to give this big speech. Albus Dumbledore had gotten to his feet. He was beaming at the student. His arms opened wide, as if nothing could have pleased him more than to see them all there. Welcome, he said, welcome to a new year at Hogwarts. Before we begin our banquet, I would like to say a few words. And here they are. Nitwit, blubber, oddment, tweak. Thank you. He sat back down. And then instead he just says, nitwit, oddment, blubber, tweak. Uh, because he said, I'd like to say a few words. And those are his few <laughs> words, right? And that immediately is so disarming and really puts kids at ease and they all laugh and then they get to eat and then he actually talks to them afterwards and gives his terrible speech about the third floor corridor and, you know, yeah. Filch's mm -hmm. regulations and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but that's one of my favorite moments of Dumbledore. Where do you yeah. see him being a great educator? Oh, I I think I see that most definitely in his uh his his care for the students and his his deep passion for their well, I'm going to kind of contradict myself here. I'm going to say his passion for their well-being, but also you know, he he was grooming Harry for for slaughter. Uh, at least that's that's my view of it. Spoiler. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I guess that aside, yeah, I think he really does care about the the students and and their you know their progress and and um, uh, seeing, well, and seeing we them. see him showing a lot of individual attention to students. Mm -hmm. So he visits Harry in the hospital wing several times throughout the series, um, yeah. just to check on him and and see how things are going and talk to him a little bit, and while. 
it's reasonable to expect that maybe Harry is getting a little more care than most students. Um, I like to think that Dumbledore is probably visiting other students who have who've really gotten in trouble as well. You know, I I yeah, I like to believe that, and it, I mean it. It is the Harry Potter series. You know, it's not the it's not the uh, uh, Pavati uh, Patil series or the Lavender Brown series. So you know, we're we're probably not going to hear as the reader about about other other events taking place in other people's lives. So I think it's safe to assume that that he was showing that care for everyone else too. Well, and it's good too that we know Dumbledore is really not the disciplinarian of the school. Mm-hmm. I think in a lot of schools, the principal's office is the place you go if you're in a lot of trouble. Um, and the heads of houses are really set up to be in that role at Hogwarts, yeah. which gives Dumbledore a lot more ability to relate to students and to be a positive mentor and role model for them instead of like, oh man, I have to go talk to that guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. That's a good point. I, I think there's also, um, you know, uh, a, a way, well, and, and you're, you're amazing at this, you know, the, when I've seen you interact with your students, but pr- providing, um, I, I say punishment, but that's not a really a good word to, to use, but, you know, pr- providing that, that, uh, for the, the student, but also doing it in a way where they, the student knows that, that you're coming from a good place and that you really have their best interest. Well, and he gives them a lot of choice. So at the end of the third book, uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione are all in the hospital. He's come to visit them again. Um, And they ask about where Sirius is. And he says, well, you know, a lot of bad stuff happened tonight. Um, It all happened in about the last three hours. Do with that what you will, essentially. (laughs) Uh, And Hermione knows exactly what he's talking about. And they kind of have to piece together how to solve that problem. And when students are put in the role of problem solver, instead of just given a a process that they need to follow, it releases a lot of dopamine in their brain. We as humans like solving puzzles and Mm -hmm. we like getting through challenges. Yeah. And, and, you know, when, when you give kids that, that freedom, um to to you know and take ownership over the the things that they're doing like they they do amazing things i'm you've you've seen amazing Mm -hmm. things from your students i've seen amazing things from my students and and that that is one of the great things about dumbledore's just kind of pedagogical approach you know it's um it's cool to see yeah well i think we better get Close to wrapping this up, we've had a, a chance to talk about a whole lot of Dumbledore. So my real question <laughs> for you at this point, if you were in charge of hiring for Hogwarts, you're the Minister of Magic or whoever the heck is in charge of the Board of Directors, Lucius Malfoy maybe, <laughs> um, would would you hire Dumbledore? Mm, that is the million dollar question. Million gallon, oh, gallion question. Million gallon, million gallon question. Yeah. Wow, we both tripped on that sentence. Good job, <laughs> us. Um, yeah, I, I, man, I don't know. I'm, I'm going back and forth here. Um, yeah, I suppose I probably would. I mean, no, nobody is perfect. Uh, all, all of us have, you know, things we wish we were better at, and and uh, things we're constantly working on and and you know but the most important thing is that you you care about your students and you're there for them and Dumbledore fits that bill in my opinion okay 
Um, I would certainly not. I would put Minerva McGonagall in that role. <laughs> and I would have Dumbledore in as a frequent guest speaker. <laughs> um, but I definitely would not put him in charge of the school, both because I think it's kind of a waste of his time on the whole. <laughs> like, he has an enormous array of skills and most of them are not managerial skills right <laughs> like he has yeah. an incredible skill set and they are really not geared toward a school in my way of thinking um, <laughs> but maybe that's why i'm not on the hiring committee yeah right yeah who was on that hiring committee i wonder good question <laughs> Ten thousand years ago yeah. i mean the only person on uh horace slughorn's hiring committee was dumbledore so you know, maybe he's making yeah. unanimous decisions here. Yeah, and we do know that Hogwarts has a board of directors, so I have questions about that, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, should Whatever. we give a, ni a nice sign-off message to our listeners? Yeah, we probably should have talked about what that was going to be. <laughs> yeah. Um. Unsolicited is a Salty Pup production. Music by Tristan Hurd, publicity by Allison Biggie, audio engineering by Robbie Rutherford, and art by Erica Peterson. Thanks also to my co-host, Owen Evans. My name is Emily Blake. Thanks for listening.